I'm actually going to do a bit of teaching, not so much preaching. So I'm going to get the stool out, trying to exercise a bit of control. Seeing as it worked for Sam the other day, sits and... Uh, no, actually, just want to sit down. Is that okay? You can feel free to move forward if you like. Um, if I am, can still see everyone, right? Yes? Cool. Um, I probably won't stay seated. Let's we'll, we'll be honest here, but... Uh, if you weren't here this morning, I did share on... Yeah, I'm not going to do that. doesn't work. <laughs> I was... Um, I tried. I shared on uh, the first of our messages for the month. Uh, does anyone remember what it's called? Grow up. Uh, if you weren't here, still in holiday mode, uh, that's cool. Uh, know a few people away for the long weekend and stuff, so we can all tell them next week to grow up really nicely. Um, but I wanted to teach you a little bit um, tonight. I wanted to, um, to actually share out of Ephesians and show you how we come to the conclusions that we do out of this book because we're going to gloss over some stuff. People are going to be preaching through it this month, so you're going to hear messages on sections. But if you were to go and open it up yourself, you may not necessarily come to the same conclusions, or hopefully you will, but it requires some tools and some, uh, some understanding to do that. And so uh, I want to give you a bit of a basis tonight seeing as we're going to be studying the book of Ephesians, on how we can look at this book and how we can understand what God is saying to us through this book. Because we're given this incredible tool in the Bible of all the things that God chose to put in writing for us to see, to have instruction, to learn from. And sometimes we find that it can be a little bit confusing. We sometimes find that, you know, being able to use this tool actually requires instruction. Have you ever tried to use a piece of machinery? It's quite daunting if you don't know what the buttons do or what you have to, you know, if you, you know, what lever does what or where you, you know, if you, if you have no idea what you're looking at, you can't operate something. And we know that the Bible is given to us as a tool and we need to actually, as Christians who want to seek maturity, to grow in God, to learn how to use this tool effectively. Yes, the amazing thing about the Bible is you can read a verse and God can speak to you. You can read something, you can read. I find the best place I, I instruct young Christians or people who've just started uh, believing in God, you know, they can pick up a psalm or a proverb and, and read about the character of God or, or gain wisdom for their life. They can pick up the stories in the Gospels and learn about who this Jesus we follow is. But there's so much more to what we're given in the Bible and so much that sometimes we overlook or even that causes us to be... Um, misguided or misdirected because of a lack of understanding and so we're going to for the sake of our maturity put a little bit of understanding in place and all the bible college students can tune out or watch the cricket because you may know most of this stuff not really i hope i can teach you something but um we're going to go from basic to not so basic um about the book of ephesians and i'm going to pick up a few points here and there because i can't help it i'm a preacher i'm sorry but if I see something, I'm going to point it out. I'll try not to preach all the messages in one or we'll be here all night. I won't really do that. Um, 
So we have this book written to the church or the churches, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But the thing we need to know about this book is it's not actually a book of laws. We have book, books of laws in the Bible. We have books that were specifically written in the Old Testament that were doctrinal, that were to teach the people. They were recorded law and they were supposed to be interpreted at that point as the law, as this is what you're to do, this is the instruction. This is not one of those books. And sometimes we lean towards looking at the books that are the epistles, the, the letters to the churches as a book of law. It's not, it wasn't doctrinal uh, it wasn't a letter to address their doctrine. It was a letter to address their behavior. And so often, actually most of the books in, uh, that were written, most of the letters to the churches were addressing behavior, not belief. Um, they were written to instruct them how to carry themselves. And so we actually need to understand the context, the behavior that was being addressed. And we also always, before I get into anything, we need to remember that we interpret the entire Bible through the lens of Jesus. We sometimes lean towards interpreting one verse or one section or one thing in terms of, or inter, uh, interpreting that in terms of like a, a verse. So we'll put Jesus' character and we'll say, well, what is this verse then? How did that seems contradictory but that's not how it works we actually look at it all through the lens of who Jesus is because Jesus is you know father son holy spirit Jesus was God we know that that he was the di divine uh, and he was the fullness of God here on earth so we've got to address everything through what Jesus taught who he was and what we know of his character that said so we have a letter a book that is a letter and if you aren't sure about the different types of books that there are in the Bible uh, then I'd love to uh, I've got some books that I can lend you that you can read to learn about the fact that there are actually different types of books in the Bible all with different purposes and intents and all of those books the type of book that it is actually helps us to understand how to interpret what it says so we're going to look at a prophetic book very differently to a wisdom literature book. We're going to look at a wisdom book very differently from, say, a history book like Judges or, or you know, those ones that actually record events. And we're going to look at those very differently to these letters that are to the churches. And, um, and so we sometimes fall into a problem when we look at one book the same as another. So if you were to look at, say, Ecclesiastes, which is, uh, it's, seen, it's categorized as wisdom literature, but you also need to understand that a lot of it's written in a sarcastic tone. But if you were to pull a scripture out of that and take that literally as an instruction, as, uh, then you're going to be in trouble. If you, if you look at a prophetic, um, prophetic book and go, oh, what, did this happen? Like as if it was a history book, you get yourself in trouble, right? So you need to understand what they all are. Um, so this is a letter written to the church at the time. There's two schools of thought, whether it was written by Paul specifically or whether it was written by someone who studied under Paul doesn't really make a difference. And um, the re one of the best defences as to what, uh, of it actually being written specifically by Paul and not someone who wrote under Paul. So 
to give you context on that, often uh, in that time someone would write in the name of the person that they were the follower of or they in the name of the school of thought that they uh, were associated with. And so a lot of books, even though they say uh, it was written by this person, it actually may have been written by a student of that person or a devotee of that school of thought. And so there is uh, some scholars that debate whether uh, Ephesians was actually written by Paul because it's so different to all the other letters that Paul writes. Paul, in all of his letters to the churches, writes very personally. He addresses people individually. He even asks, like, what to do with spare clothing got, got left behind at some point and some, some very specific addresses about uh, items and things like that. So uh, Paul uses certain language nuances and talks in a certain way uh, that biblical scholars describe as Pauline um, style and Ephesians sits quite far outside of that and that's caused some people to go well did Paul actually write this letter the reason I'm talking about all of this is because one of the explanations or one of the defenses to Paul being the author of Ephesians is uh, that there were things known to the churches there were letters that were known to go from that were sent to go to all churches that were within the uh, the covering of the time. So there's notes in Colossians that mention the letter that needs to be passed on to the other churches. It says, would you make sure this is read to the church in Laodicea? And so there's we know that some of the letters were actually meant not for one church, but for all the churches. And... Ephesians is quite possibly one of those letters. And the reason that's important is because then we look at it in the context of the church more generally, not like in some particularly the Corinthian letters. It's really helpful to understand Corinthians in the context of what the church was like and what the city of Corinth was like. Whereas Ephesians is less specific to the place and the people and more generic to the church. And so in some ways, it's actually a lot easier for us to take and apply because it's a more generalized um, letter. So that's why I say all of that. You don't, you know, there's people who've written their PhD thesis on whether Paul wrote it or not. And basically the consensus is there's not enough evidence either way. <laughs> like a lot of stuff with the Bible, right? So, um, but it's quite possibly a letter to all of the churches who are under Paul's covering. There's a few key themes in Ephesians, and I hope that as we preach through this, we're going to learn a lot about this. And the reason I think I has, have found myself studying in Ephesians is because of these themes. And uh, the reason I think as a church we can benefit from studying this is because of these themes. And... Um, uh, N.T. Wright teaches a great message on um, 1 verse 10, 2 verse 10, and 3 verse 10. Um, really interesting, um, like 15-minute quick lecture that he gives and um, points out the key themes summarized in these key verses in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And the summary of it all is basically that... Uh, that unity is something so integral to God himself. 
to his relationship with the world, to our relationship with each other. It starts in 1 verse 10, um, outlining the unity between heaven and earth. And uh, I, that's the teaching from N.T. Wright. I love is how he um, explains that it's, uh, it's very problematic that we try to separate heaven and earth when God established through Jesus a, big, a work that started bringing his kingdom to earth. God's plan is for kingdom on earth and we try to separate heaven and earth. We try to put God up here and stay down here where we're not as accountable to the things that God says and all of that. So heaven and earth united. 2 verse 10 is our place in God's creation. And that's what I taught on this morning. And if you missed that message, I'd love you to download it. But the fact that God created you uniquely with purpose and everything in you is specifically there for the purpose of being used for God's glory. When we submit our lives to God that, uh, and we bring that to Him, we bring glory to Him, but we not only bring glory to Him, but in being all that God has designed us to be and, being, uh, that, and having that submitted to God, we actually begin that kingdom on earth movement that God wanted to see happen. And 3 verse 10, us um, as the church being united, says through the church, all the works of God will be made known to the world. So we have heaven and earth brought together, our place in that plan and our place in the church that is uh, the plan of how God reveals that to the world. Chapter 4 is all about how we need to grow up to see that happen, how we need to reach maturity to see that happen. Chapter 5 is a challenge to the church who've become complacent in that. And it wraps up in chapter 6. So we have a book that is completely about unity. It's about the unity of kingdom uh, of the kingdom of heaven and of the things of the earth. It's about the unity of us with each other. It talks about the body of Christ. There's so many scriptures that are um, talking about how we need to relate to each other. And this is why I talked about it being a book that's about behavior, not doctrine. So much of what is addressed in this book is about how, as Christians, the church was not doing the unity thing very well. And I think 2,000 years later, and we're still kind of struggling a little bit. Is it just me? Okay. <laughs> Everyone's very quiet, but that's okay. And so the unity of between, um, and then how God uses that unity to demonstrate his love to the world. It requires all of those things of us, requires of us, to actually embrace who God made us to be, embrace the need for maturity and to embrace the need for unity for God to make himself known through, to the world through the church. That's who we're called to be. And that's why I think this book is actually a pivotal place for us in Scripture to look at and, and assess where we're at as a church, as individuals. It has so much to say to us about these things. 
I love that there's actually, um, if, if we do speak specifically to um, Ephesus, it was, um, Ephesus is the doorway to Asia. So this was kind of like the easternmost church plant before the mission field, as was seen by them at that point. And so the address here is to a church that needs to get themselves in order so that the, the outside world can actually see who Jesus has come to show them how to live like, um, who God had wanted them to be. Another important thing about the book of Ephesians is uh, you see in Acts when it describes Paul's time in Ephesus is that he establishes the church there under Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila. Notably one of the female leaders Paul commissioned, which is important if you've ever been challenged on Paul's view of women in leadership and all of that. And this is where we come back to the whole point of we need to look at the scripture in light of the entirety of the Bible and in the light of who Jesus is, not take one scripture and then try and look at the entire Bible based on that one scripture. We become uh, confused and things feel like end up seeming like they're contradicting where if we use the appropriate tools and understanding information that we're given and look at that scripture, you can actually understand why it's there, why Paul said it at the time, who he said it to, and all of that. Go back and listen to Mike's message if you want. Kind of brings me to uh, the problem of Ephesians. There's one verse that, like, if you were to preach away from cover to cover of Ephesians, you're probably going to find that some people struggle a little bit to deal with. And you'll find it in chapter 5 verse 22 and I know no one's going to preach on this because I know that no one is going to be comfortable dealing with it Uh, and so I'm going to throw it out here and so when people have questions you guys can totally be informed and teach everyone how to deal with the uh, problematic (laughs) or so we seem. I, I I said, I said the problem of Ephesians. James is like, you can't have a problem with the, the scripture. And I was like, no, I meant that the problem, like a math problem, it's something there to be solved, right? Cool. So, um, so in 5 verse 22, this is the verse that says, uh, it talks about husbands submitting, uh, so wives submitting to your husbands as, uh, and then your, the husbands loving wives as, Christ loved the church. Not so problematic, pretty easy for us to, um, you know, there is some things that, uh, you know, we need to be aware of, but yep, that's cool. And, you know, child submitting to your parents, um, understandably, you know, kids need to listen to their parents. Um, That's other places in the Bible. That's, you know, God ordained authority and all of those things. That's wisdom that we know. Then slaves submit to your masters. And this is probably the one I was like, why would that even be in the Bible? Because we know when we look at God's character it, through who Jesus is, he speaks out against oppression. And slavery, by definition, is the oppression of one person by another. And the only way to justify that in history has been to define someone as less of a person 
which we know is not something that, you know, and we also see that the Bible says there's no Jew or Gentile, no male or female, that God is a God that created us all equal in his sight. And so what's the deal? And there's a couple of answers to this. One comes in 5 verse 21 where it says, we're all to submit to the Holy Spirit according to, uh, according to God's will and according to what he's set for us to do. And so it's almost like he's saying that this is, this is the ideal and then, okay, well, how do we enact that in our lives? And so one way to explain this is that was the reality of their world. That was the reality of the world that they lived in. And some of the people who were going to be sitting under the teaching, some of the people that were going to receive that scripture, some of the people that were going to hear that read out would have been slaves, would have been masters, would have been children or parents, would have been husbands or wives. And it's not that it was being, uh, you know, said that that was, that was necessarily the order that God had intended. But in that situation, when we're submitted to the Holy Spirit, then we can, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit in us, live out according to what the Bible says. So for a lot of years, that scripture was actually used, and this is why this is why I say all of these things and this is why I believe we need to be educated and understand these things and not just, uh, is because this scripture was used actually to justify slavery for years, for generations actually. I read a tweet the other day that said uh, that let's, uh, let's never forget and it's talking about the um, temptation of Jesus because um, it's Lent if you look at the liturgical calendar that way and people are talking about those things. Let's, let's never forget that it wasn't uh, outside of the ca- capacity of Satan, of the devil, to twist scripture to try and justify actions that were not loving or to use tr- twisted scripture. Sometimes we can justify or try to justify something that is outside of the character of God and who he is because, oh, but this one scripture says it, but have, has that scripture been assessed in the light of who Jesus is and according to the entirety of the Bible and we can come to a very different conclusion, I hope. So that's that verse. If you want a more in-depth, I can point you to some resources or if find that challenging let's talk about it some more but I think the key actually is Ephesians is a very good little study to open up on all of these issues because we encounter these things all through the Bible you'll see something that doesn't necessarily line up that doesn't necessarily fit with the picture and how do we take that how do we interpret that how do we look at that it doesn't mean that we can just take it and decide it means what we want it to mean Sometimes we've been guilty as Christians of doing that, of going, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to me. And instead of doing the diligent study and learning and coming to an educated understanding of, or asking the questions or seeking guidance from someone, we come to our own understanding. And that is a dangerous place to be as well. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And that doesn't just mean four of your friends. That means there's wisdom in the counsel of people who've studied before you that have done the legwork, that have done the reading, that have done 
you know, that have had the training. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. Another interesting thing about Ephesians as a side note is that it was a place of diversity. So the fact that it's addressing the issue of unity isn't just because they were a bunch of family members fighting, but this was actually the bringing together of uh, a very um, very Gentile or Hellenistic um, community and uh, a large number of Jewish people who had moved into the area and who were a key part of um, establishing the church or people with Jewish heritage, who, um, Jewish converts. So they by nature had so much at odds with each other. And so the church itself was bound to struggle with issues of disunity and infighting and, and disagreements. And I think the more diverse a background we come from, and I love that our church is a wide range of ages, is a wide range of demographics, of backgrounds, places that we, you know, everything from, uh, you know, people who have high paying jobs and, and a whole, you know, the, to people who are, who are struggling just to make ends meet. And we can all come and, and actually just be on a level playing field and in the house of God. And we, we can come from like ridiculous number of different countries and we can come from uh, different age brackets or, or situations but by nature, being a church that looks like that, as much as I do believe it's something to aspire to and I, I, I'm proud to be part of a church that looks like that, I also know that inherent in that is going to be challenges of differences of opinion. Some are going to think it's too loud or too cold or too busy or too quiet or too small it's we all have differences of opinion because of who we are just we we're going to have different cultural differences where we if there's people who come in who are from different places we're going to have differences of opinion when it comes to even theology and, and then you know, we've got people who have studied and people who studied under different schools of thought and there are but the great thing about knowing that our purpose is not to establish correct doctrine or not to be right or win an argument, but our purpose is to embody the kingdom of God on earth. All of that stuff, it doesn't matter. When it comes, you know, when it comes to Jesus and knowing him, all of that stuff doesn't count anymore. All the conflicts can easily put to rest, be put to rest when kingdom is being sought when God's heart is being made manifest in us when we're seeking to be in God's presence and follow Jesus then we can go I disagree with you and I can be respectful or I can go you know we can we can put it all aside very easily so I think that's another good good reason why we can look at the book of Ephesians so I'm, uh, I think I've covered all of the topics really briefly. Um, but I said I'd throw it out to question and answer. And like I said this morning, because Mike was like, I was like, Mike, that's a dangerous thing to do in our church. But um, does anyone have any questions? Or have I brushed over anything super fast that um, that wasn't clear or 
Does anyone? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not used to interacting in church. I just want to make sure that we haven't like... We're good. You are welcome to come and speak to me after. Um, I by no means... Uh, actually, I would... Uh, I was much more comfortable uh, preaching a sermon series on the Gospel of John because I have done a year's study on the Gospel of John. I haven't so much in Ephesians, but I can try and find answers if I feel it's out of my depth. But yeah, if you do have questions, I would be happy to chat about it or point you in the direction of great resources that probably are better than me <laughs> at explaining things. Cool. Well... I am going to leave it there. I think I'll close in prayer. And uh, I really would encourage you, next week's our last night service for a while where we're going to have a preacher. Jeff Fulilla is going to share. And if you heard him share his, um, his communion message a while back, you know he's actually great at presenting, at, like he communicates well and he has uh, a heart that I believe w communicates the love of God just through the way he lives his life, what he does, and so if you've got anyone that you've been thinking of inviting to church, it's going to be a great night um, to definitely invite anyone along. But uh, I, I also think like all of you guys uh, are here, I think because you're at a place where you're wanting to uh, grow in your understanding and your maturity. And so if you're in that place in your life, I really want to see you at the leaders, um, at the leaders training, leaders nights, three weeks. Um, talking about what it is to lead in our lives, in our homes, workplace, and in church. Um, and I, I think we're all going to be growing together. At like, and we're going to put in place a lot of stuff that we're talking about through the month. So it's sort of walking hand in hand with what we're going to be talking about Sunday morning. So if you don't make Sunday mornings, download the messages so you're fully up to, up to speed because it'll be good. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for your word, God, that it is inspired, Lord, that you have given us this ability to understand, to open up. And Lord, from the person who opens it up to a page on the first time that they look at a verse to a person studying for their entire lifetime, God, there's no depth that is outside of its ability to communicate something new and fresh. God, we thank you for the incredible miracle that it is. And God, we pray that you would help us to open up, to understand, Lord, that you would help us to gain insight that each time we open it, Lord, we would be uh, inspired by your spirit, Lord, that you would teach us and guide us, that you would show us your ways through your word, that we would come to know more about who you are and who you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray as we go out from this place, Lord, we will continue to seek to grow in maturity and understanding. I pray for every person that's come out tonight that you would bless them for giving their time seeking uh, to know you, that they would come to know you in a greater and deeper way and have a, a deeper understanding. Lord, we pray for the team that have given their time tonight. We just pray that, um, that you would increase the anointing and abilities on their lives, that they would re receive from you a refreshing and a blessing, Lord, as they seek to serve you with their gifts and talents. And Lord, we pray over our church as we seek to grow up and grow in you, that you would 
mold us and shape us into the church that you desire to reflect your glory to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.